suddenly we don't like the term police. We don't want to be policed. So we'll call it the Department of Public Safety. Call it whatever you like, but allow these men and women to go out and protect the public. We don't get our acts together. Our children aren't going to have a future, and there will be no future for this country. Create a grid of these cities, identify the focal point of concentration, go in and take the cities back a block at a time. It can be done. The problem is we lack the political resolve. It appears like spoiled children. It didn't seem to go their way, so they decided not to participate and impede the process. That is not how responsible elected officials conduct themselves. I am gravely concerned, and I've said this before, our southern border is the greatest threat to our national security. Welcome to Between the Lines, and I'm your host, Lou Palumbo. Today, we would like to discuss the border, the politics of the COVID Delta variant, and our children getting slammed in the middle of this. Now, we're going to take a couple of calls and go to some email questions from the audience. Also, where is Waldo? Where are the Texas State House members? Also talking about the Minneapolis police and more. I'm happy to report that we picked up two great sponsors, Instacart and Buzzsprout. We'll get into them a little bit later. You can go to our website and uh, you'll find out we've arranged a special offer for you with a special offer code. In addition to listening to us on BetweenTheLines.tv, Spotify, and Apple, you can also watch us on our website or YouTube. Okay, let's get into the show. Hello? Yes, this is uh, Alan from Maryland. Go ahead, Alan. If you have a question, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, I do. And actually, actually it, it kind of relates. Uh, and uh, what's on my mind is, is just kind of the back and forth and craziness of what's going on right now with uh, COVID and, and definitely with the, with the Delta strain that's coming out now. Um, and, uh, you know, just to get, give you a picture of what it's been like, uh, we, we've been following the rules of CDC of the county of uh, the state and going back and forth, wearing masks, not wearing masks, where, where and when can we wear masks in a, in a what's partially healthcare, what's not healthcare, uh, dealing with family where you have a couple where one of them gets sick and, and goes over to another section. No, you can't visit your spouse. Uh, you're not allowed in there. Um, uh, the, uh, the extreme restrictions that had to be put on uh, their last time they see their spouse before they die is, is three months. I mean, that kind of thing happened. Um, and then, and then to have the freedom, the vaccination. So here we're, we're about hundred percent vaccination, pretty close to it amongst the residents, maybe 85 amongst staff, but out in the world, it's only 45, 50%. Um, and then, the question is now, okay, some of us get to take our masks off. Some of us don't. It's on an honor system. Uh, and, and we're all getting excited because it was dropping out, but now it's rising back up again um, and, and, and coming back. But now it's tricky because now it's vac- vaccinated people. Okay, well, you're not going to get that sick from it, but you can become super carriers uh, because we're not wearing the masks now. And so I'm just kind of sitting here going, what do you think? Are we going to get out of this or, or are we in this forever? That's a very good question. And, you know, what's been suggested is that we listen to the scientists and to the doctors. And unfortunately, this virus was politicized right from the get-go. And as a result, we've had to decide politically what side of the aisle you stood on. And depending on what side of the aisle you stood on, they carried a different message as to whether you should get vaccinated or not get vaccinated. And as I always say, um, the truth has been muddled. You know, I think from a commonsensical standpoint, in light of the fact that um, there seems to be a little inconsistency in the message, 
Error on the side of caution. I would just encourage people to um, give 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 everyone distance right now. You know, I I do it without the without the virus. I'll be honest with you; it's a personality defect I have. I'm just not inclined to be around a lot of people any longer. Unlike when I was younger, I I pick and choose when and where I have to go, and really identify necessity versus you know just doing something to entertain myself. But the, the real problem here today is we can't get a straight, simple answer. And I go yeah. right back to the media who are carrying the various agendas of the political forum, who have decided to be extensions of the political parties. I go to the elected officials who were, who were intimately involved in weaponizing this virus starting uh, during the um, Trump administration, I believe around March of 2020. You know, I, I just don't even know what to say. There seems to be an inability, an inconsistency in some of the media and some of the elected officials to carry out messages that are responsible and accurate and truthful, attached to common sense, logic and reason across the board. It isn't just this confusion about the the variant. The variant is here. We know that. You know, they're reporting that 75 percent of the new cases are Delta related, the Delta variant related cases. Um, there is a little bit of a misconception running around because there's a concern now that um, you can contract the Delta variant and then transmit it. Well, if you listen to what they were saying, even after being vaccinated, it's 95% chance you would not contract the COVID virus in its original form. It's not 100%. And there are people who have been vaccinated who contracted the COVID-19 variant, or uh, excuse me, the COVID-19 virus, not even speaking to the Delta variant at this point. The, the further information supplied was that if you did contract it, you were going to have rather moderate, non-life-threatening um, symptoms that would not require ventilators or hospitalization. That's really the, the thing, the crux of the thing. You know, what I think needs to happen in the country is that we need to try to consolidate our thought process and guide the American public through this mess without the hysteria that they've caused. I don't know why they've yet to connect the dots on the need for our elected officials and some of those in the media to put their thoughts together so we can take the panic out of America. We just are so busy worrying about our ratings on your media outlets and getting elected that we've taken our eye off the ball, Alan. You know, we're not worried about the American public. I don't I don't believe we are on, on a daily basis just based on how we mismanage a, a, an assortment of topics, this being one of them. And this is one that's immediately causing people to leave here prematurely. Look, you, you dealt with it up close and personal. I don't know if there's anything worse than to say goodbye to someone knowing you're never going to see them again. You know, it makes you, you know, it, it makes you question a lot of things about life. But as far as the virus goes, the Delta variant, I'm understanding there's another strain right behind this one. Don't know if it's true or not because it's it's you don't know the source's credibility. We're just in a hell of a state. But, you know, I, I, I just say this to people. You have to follow the growth of the country. And the larger things become, whether it's businesses or countries or, you know, sporting teams, I don't care what it is. It's exponentially more difficult to manage responsibly. And I think we're knocking on that door right now. We're at 335 million people, up 135 million from 1970, Alan. Wrap your arms around that. 
we, we're dealing with large numbers in a lot of areas, the number of registered motor vehicles, the numbers of guns in the country. The exercise here is to put your differences aside and understand that if you don't, we don't get our acts together, our children aren't going to have a future. And there will be no future for this country. It's being muddled and, and confused. So I hope that lent itself to uh, an, somewhat of an answer to your question. And I'm curious, do you have a follow-up or... Um well, yeah, I guess kind of the I guess kind of the question for me, you know, is I think that let's say the Spanish flu. I mean, it died out, uh, and you know, it was a two year horror, and and then it was done. Um, and I'm wondering, will it will it play like that for us, or is this is this going to be like the Iraq War in America? It just goes on forever. It, it's it's being suggested that this might be a virus that kind of I hate to use the term plague, but plagues us every year. We're going to have to have a vaccine issued on a yearly basis, like a booster. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't be the end of the world. You know, the interesting question here is, why does it continue to mutate? And, you know, the bigger question, which we're now starting to embark on the truth finally, is was this laboratory born? And if it was, are our fingerprints on it, which is something that Dr. Fauci's been accused of. Again, you know, we'd like to find out what the truth is related to that. This is not an exercise in rotisserie, you know, Dr. Fauci either. It's just about understanding the truth accepting sometimes we make mistakes and moving on in a positive fashion. Our whole thought process is just completely antiquated. You make mistakes your whole life. The key is to learn, not linger, and move on, make a bad thing a positive thing. But I'm concerned that this was weaponized, whether it was intentionally or unintentionally, because we shouldn't be growing viruses like this in any labs in any parts of the country, including our own. So go ahead, ahead, Alan. I think you had a follow-up here. Yeah, yeah. So I did. So I did have a thought because I was just thinking about that. You know, the ramifications of one versus the other. So yeah, like the Spanish flu died out, right? Uh, but Lyme's disease did not. Well, I I, I don't know 100, percent but I've heard, I've run across some stuff that suggested Lyme's disease was an escaped m- militarized thing. It wasn't it was off the coast in of Montauk. Lab, uh, if you want to be specific, off the coast of Montauk, and I'm trying to rattle my brain for the name of the island. It was suggested that yeah. it came in through one of our laboratories there. The island will come to me shortly, but that laboratory is right, right so off Lyme, eastern Lyme Long Island. Yeah. has been around forever. We've, we've, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm, I'm scared to, to take my dog for a walk for getting a tick, uh, and uh, it, it never went away. And it seems to me that, that nature tends to ebb and flow, but when we do things that are done in a lab, they don't ebb and flow. They don't behave naturally. They don't have a die point. They just continue. So I think that that would be interesting whether, you know, that would, could be a difference whether this thing comes or goes is where it's, it's origin. Yeah. You know, you know, in comparing the viruses, as you're saying, of these plagues, like the Spanish flu, for example, which really wasn't a plague. And I don't believe that the, the COVID virus is a plague. I don't want to categorize it because that's a bit, a bit extreme. When you really study the history of plagues in the world, they were far more reaching than this. You know, the good thing today is we have incredible, assets in the form of science and, and medicine and um, um, let's see I'm getting some information here that the the virus actually emanated from a, a community in Connecticut by the name of Lyme that's one of the theories but I've also heard the theory that you have alluded to about the research being conducted off the coast of East Long Island it says in 1975 a young woman brought an unusual cluster of pediatric sheep brought an unusual cluster of pediatric arthritis cases to the attention of Yale researchers. 
and I gather it was Lyme related. And I think what was what was saying here is that the disease had its origins somewhere in a community in Connecticut by the name of Lyme. Again, um, we've heard something different than that. You and I both, and and you know it is it is relevant that we are are provided you know responsible and truthful and competent information. You know that's what I think has got everybody's underwear in a bunch today. We don't know who to believe or what to believe. The thing I would say is be conservative, you know, give people distance. You know, what we're also potentially looking at, if this thing gets a, a re-grip on us, is how it's going to impact this economy again today. You know, right now, Las Vegas just um, uh, mandated masks indoor, L.A., indoor. You know, so New York, I'm sure, is going to follow suit. That's going to have a dramatic impact on the business community again. So, listen, I want to thank you for your call. Uh, I encourage you to call back, Alan. That was a very good call, very good uh, question that you asked. Um, I hope I answered it satisfactory. Yeah. Interesting times we're living in. We need a little bit of clarity. That's, a, that's, a, uh, old China, that's an old Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. <laughs> well, we're certainly fulfilling that. Uh, Alan, thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate you calling in, and have a great day. Thanks. No, glad to. It's awesome. Thank you. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short break and thank our sponsors. I just want to remind you to go to betweenthelines.tv to listen to more of the shows, find show news, etc. Um, please participate by leaving your questions for future shows. Who knows? Your question might be on the next show. We'll be right back. If you're a podcaster, I can't say enough good things about Buzzsprout. That is how we distribute our show. And to learn more about them, go to our betweenthelines.tv. I do want to explain one thing about Buzzsprout. Very user-friendly. And as you know, we incorporated ourselves. So if you're inclined to create your own uh, podcast and you want some real good support mechanism, we would tell you entertain Buzzsprout. They're very, very good. And as I said, we use them. Instacart. Another interesting concept, you can go to your favorite grocery stores, sign on to their application without leaving your home, the comfort of your home. Just pick out the items you'd like. They'll assign a personal shopper for you and deliver them to the point that you would like them delivered to. Another great concept, very user-friendly, and I'll be honest, we use it also. It's very effective, and they're very, very good. They're very uh, on point. All right, folks, we're back, and now we're going to go our second caller. Hello. Hello, my name is Bob from uh, uh, Lakewood, Colorado. Hey, Bob, how are you, buddy? I'm doing fine, thank you. I, I gather from information I've received that you have some family that have been attached to law enforcement, father, grandfather, is that correct, sir? My father and grandfather have been. And so how come you didn't follow in the footsteps, Bob? I mean, uh, tell me what happened there. Well, for one thing, they said uh, I should be- become uh, a civil engineer and work for, uh, you know, work for a private company. Well, they gave you good advice, especially in light of the way things are today, wouldn't you think? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. So I gather you have a question for me, sir. My question is, should the city of Minneapolis replace their police department with a public safety department? You know, it's about semantics here, Bob. I'll tell you, if you go to Texas, they have the Department of Public Safety, which I believe the Texas Rangers are a part of. Um, it, it's... It, translates to the same thing, whether we call them police department, department of public safety, you know, community affairs agency, it's all academic as far as how we brand them. The problem in Minneapolis, Bob, is that they're not allowing the police 
to enforce the law. There are no boundaries and there are no consequences in this city, which is why the crime is going through the roof in an unprecedented fashion. So from my perspective, they can call them whatever they want until you empower somebody that's responsible to supervise your community, to enforce laws. It's academic what we call them, Bob. It's, it's somewhat of a moot point. It's politics. Suddenly, we don't like the term police. We don't want to be policed. So we'll call it the Department of Public Safety. Call it whatever you like, but allow these men and women to go out and protect the public. And and at, the, at not at the expense of their freedom and their pensions. So, you know, uh, it, it's interesting to listen to the, the change of the shift in rhetoric. Again, it's all politically driven. This isn't just Minneapolis. This is in almost every major city in our country. And I'm sure you're aware of that. You know, what we're doing to the police across the board, whether we're rebranding them as Department of Public Safety members or, you know, community affairs officials, however you want to call it, you know, is just inconceivable. And it's at the expense of our major cities. And in those major cities, by the way, are children, property owners, business owners. I'm just trying to figure out where the elected officials and some of the news media think their responsibility lies. I couldn't imagine owning a business in Minneapolis today. I'm sure you can empathize with that. Um, we're, in, we're in a significant amount of trouble. I think you realize that. Bob, listen, I want to thank you for calling in, buddy. I really do appreciate your question. And it's an excellent question because it lends itself to whether or not uh, whoever we call them or whatever we call them are going to be allowed to carry out their professional responsibilities and it seems like regardless of what we call them, they are not going to be because along with the rebranding of the Minneapolis Police Department, they put a lot of restrictions on as to what they're going to be allowed to do or not do in the future. So in any case, I want to thank you, Bob, for calling in and posing that really good question. Thank you for your opinion. We're going to go to a short break, guys, and we're going to thank our sponsors. And I do want to remind you to go to BetweenTheLines.tv to listen and to participate, if you're inclined, please pose a question, email format, or you may even call in. And again, I'm going to just say it's betweenthelines.tv. Also, you can find us uh, prominently displayed on Apple and Spotify, and you can view on YouTube or our site. Plenty of choices to watch us and listen to. Thank you, and we'll be right back. If you're a podcaster, I can't say enough good things about Buzzsprout. That is how we distribute our show. And to learn more about them, go to our betweenthelines.tv. I do want to explain one thing about Buzzsprout. Very user-friendly. And as you know, we incorporated ourselves. So if you're inclined to create your own uh, podcast and you want some real good support mechanism, we would tell you entertain Buzzsprout. They're very, very good. And as I said, we use them. Instacart, another interesting concept. You can go to your favorite grocery stores, sign on to their application without leaving your home comfort of your home just pick out the items you'd like they'll assign a personal shopper for you and deliver them to the point that you would like them delivered to another great concept very user-friendly and i'll be honest we use it also it's very effective and they're very very good they're very uh, on point ladies and gentlemen we are back and we're going to go to an email from a young lady patricia who is from wilmington delaware place i've been familiar with happens to be joe biden country delaware by the way she says, among the nearly 60 Democratic members of the Texas House who traveled to Washington, D.C. last week to prevent the passage of a GOP election bill, so far six have tested positive for the COVID virus. That is absolutely correct. 
The first question that she'd like to ask is, that needs addressing as to whether or not they were really vaccinated. She's questioning as to whether or not they were vaccinated. Good question. I think they should show proof as public confidence and believability is at stake, not to mention faith in the COVID-19 vaccines. What are your thoughts on this? And should all of them also face fines slash imprisonments, prisons, punishments? Let me start it over. Uh, should I start at the beginning or should I just go, what are your thoughts on this? And should all of them face fines slash punishments, punishments? Jesus fucking Christ. Go start start the, the paragraph. Right, right there. The first question that needs addressing is whether they really were vaccinated. I think they should show proof as public confidence and believability is at stake, not to mention the faith in the COVID-19 vaccine. What are your thoughts on this? And should all of them face fines slash punishments for fleeing the state solely for political reasons? What a mess in Texas. Well, I don't think Texas is in a mess, just to uh, address this uh, appropriately. They seem to have a very good handle on managing that state. I wish the federal government were, were as efficient as Texas is in many areas. In regards to the vaccine and its effectiveness, I do not want to jump to conclusion that individuals on that private jet to Washington, D.C., fleeing Texas, um, weren't vaccinated. They may very well have been vaccinated. They've told us that... Even if you have the vaccine, it's only 95% effective in preventing you from contracting the COVID, vir- COVID uh, virus and even the variant, the Delta variant. So they may have had the vaccination. Um, I think the important thing here is not to become too contentious. I'd like to look at some things that are a bit more significant regarding these elected officials who are paid to represent their constituents and others in the state of Texas. One of them deals with their own violation of uh, a flying code where you're supposed to fly wearing a mask. None of them did that. That obviously precipitated the transmission of the virus. Now, I don't know if the virus was transmitted on the plane, but I think there's a potential likelihood, number one. In reference to them facing fines and punishment, I want to keep this really simple, as I normally like to do. If you are hired as a police officer in the city of New York or the city of Los Angeles or Chicago, and suddenly a large number of you decide to go sick, what we call the blue flu, you are subject, for example, in the state of New York to the Taylor Law. You are not permitted to strike. Basically, what they conducted was a strike. The really unfortunate part about this is not that they were protesting the bill that's being enacted in the state of Texas, but the manner in which they did it. It appears like spoiled children. It didn't seem to go their way, so they decided not to participate and impede the process. That is not how responsible elected officials conduct themselves. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. That's just life. I don't know what to say to them except that they should probably all lose their jobs and hire people that understand their responsibility to their constituents. The responsibility to the constituents is to show up and represent them to the best of your ability. They didn't represent them at all. What they did lent itself to the political agenda of the Democratic Party and their way to push back at Texas. Texas is not a mess. Texas is taking control of its own environment. They are currently building their own fence. They have deployed the National Guard to address the migrant issue. They are incarcerating individuals that they caught coming across the border. And I want to say something interesting that just crossed my bow the other day. They apparently apprehended over 308 
registered sex offenders from this foreign country coming into our country. I don't understand why the borders are such a political topic. I do have a very, very big question for everybody running the show, regardless if you're a governor or sitting in the president's office. As I've stated on numerous occasions, in 1970, we had approximately 200 million people in this country. In the year 2000, I believe it bumped up to 280, 285 million. Did I say 1,000 a million, folks? I meant 285 million, and I meant 1970, 200 million, just in case I need to correct myself. We're now at 335 million people in the country. Is there a certificate of occupancy that applies to this country? The same way it does if you open a business and they realize it's safe or manageable up to a certain number of people. We're having a difficult time managing the people here as we sit today without entertaining taking new people in. And I'm not suggesting closing the borders before someone tries to pigeonhole me with that thought. That's not what we're saying. But the borders have to be responsibly managed, and that's not happening. Don't listen to me. Listen to some of these young men and women in Border Patrol. They'll explain it to you. That's what's going on here. For whatever reason, and it's been suggested, I'm just throwing this out there. I don't want anybody to take anything being spoon-fed from me. It's being suggested that the way the borders are being managed serves a political agenda of the Democratic Party where they're attempting to build a voting base by bringing in more constituents. And as we already know, the president volunteered about two days into his administration the fact that he was going to create an eight-year plan to citizenship for immigrants, not mentioning the fact they were illegal. It is illegal to enter or remain unlawfully in this country. It is at least a misdemeanor. I am totally confused with the agenda of some of the media and our elected officials. As far as Texas goes, they continue to thumb their nose up to the federal government. My question to them is, to the federal government is, what are you going to do about all this when Texas tells you, guess what, we'll seal our on on border, right? Uh, We're going to deploy our own National Guard. We're going to arrest and detain. We're not going to catch and release, as they're stating, people that illegally enter the country. What's the government going to do about this? Are we going to continue this divide, ladies and gentlemen, and wait till we completely splinter and fractionalize this country? Because that is the path we're on. There are two states in particular in this country that have a considerable amount of autonomy, independent of the government, supported by their economies. One is Florida and the other is Texas. I'm not suggesting that we have any form of secession as we did back in the 1800s, around the 1860s. But these, these states are going to little by little break away from the federal government. And whatever mandate comes from the federal government, they're simply going to say, we're not following it. They're doing it already. They did it with marijuana in a number of states that basically told the federal government, we're aware that marijuana is a Schedule One controlled substance with the Drug Enforcement Agency. Don't send your federal agents here. We're going to put them in jail. That is a fact. Don't take it from me because I said it. Go research this. This is the climate in which we're living. Guess what, guys? Texas is on the cusp of passing the law that will allow what they call constitutional carry, which means you no longer are required to have a concealed weapons permit to carry a concealed weapon. I'm not necessarily a proponent of that, but the the, the point I make in stating that is that's completely independent of the apparent agenda of the federal government right now. It would be lovely if we could put our swords down and start to realize we have a responsibility to problem solve, first and foremost, for the sake and the future of our country and our children, ladies and gentlemen. That's simply not what's happening here. I can't you know, say enough to you on this topic. I am gravely concerned, and I've said this before, our southern border 
is the greatest threat to our national security. And I think people living on that border are the people you need to talk to, not the elected officials. This reminds me of Benghazi, not to go off on a tangent momentarily. Speak to the people that were there. Don't listen to the State Department or the, who was sitting in the White House. They weren't there. Talk to the agents assigned to protecting the CIA who were trying to recuperate or recover weapons that we had loaned people there and talk to the people that lived it moment by moment. They'll tell you what happened. And by the way, in Benghazi, not one single resource from this government ever showed up there, even to extract them. That was done by the Libyan Libyan government. In any case, you can see I, I get a little too animated on this topic because this deals with the future of our children. All of this translates to our children, and that's the problem here. All the big people here that are here banging each other's heads out you know, or heads in every day rhetorically, just know this. It's being done at the expense of our children. All of the people in the media that are out here riding the same horse, riding each other into the ground with their less than constructive criticism, you're doing that at the expense of our children. I realize the agenda. You want viewership and sponsors. You want money. Just understand this is going to come at the expense of the safety and the future of this nation. That's the path we're on. So I got a little bit off topic or question with you. To synopsize it, they should lose their jobs. I can tell you this. In the city of New York in in the 1970s, the police uh, staged the blue flu. My cousin happened to have been a police officer there at the time. Long story short, they invoked the Taylor Law. They were fined five days, and I think they lost um, chart days. They went from working 242 to 247 days a year. There was a punishment assigned to it. There has to be some form of consequence for this because if they get to do it, what happens when the Republicans are sitting on the wrong side of the fence, so they feel, and they decide to go to Washington? That's not how we do this, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I have to say something else. It looked like they went there to party. Optic is something that's very important today. They're sitting on a private aircraft. By the way, I'd like to know who paid for that aircraft. And they've got in plain sight a case of Miller Lite beer. So what was this all about, guys? You, gotta, you have to explain to me, what is it you're trying to prove and what's the end game here? If you think you're going to steer the destiny of the state of Texas, I think you need to think again. They're on their own path right now, as are many other states. Where are, by the way, not to go back to this topic of constitutional carry, there are at least 20 states in the union that now allow constitutional carry. In this environment where we're talking about gun control, I think we need to put our thinking cap on and start to come to terms with the fact that there are so many weapons in this country on the light side of the estimate, 400 million, that it needs to be managed intelligently, not by arguing or digging your heels into the sand where, by the way, we're not getting anything done. The really un- a real unfortunate part of constitutional carry, although I do understand it and on some levels I am in favor of it, it opens the door for pe- people who are mentally and emotionally ill to getting their hands on, who, by the way, are the common denominator to all the mass shootings or assaults on people. So we're having mass shootings, mass stabbings, and at times we're running it down with vehicles, common denominator, mental illness. Are we talking about it? No. We continue to play footsie here. This thing with Texas has gotten way too much attention. If I were the governor, and I understand, and I just heard this, so please don't take this as dogma, there might be a warrant out for the arrest of the head of this whole operation of fleeing Texas. They did report that some of the uh, congressional members of Texas, or the representatives, I should say, of Texas, did return back to the state with an, in an attempt, I guess, to reconcile this whole issue over voting, which, by the way, is intentionally being misrepresented. I say this to you, ladies and gentlemen. 
don't listen to me. Go read the law. It's pretty self-explanatory. Guys, we're going to we're going to uh, move on. I'm going to stop, take a break, take a deep breath, thank our sponsors, uh, and thank everyone for listening. And remind everyone you can find this show on BetweenTheLines.tv. We're being aired by Spotify and others. We've got great sponsors, Buzzsprout, Instacart, and I would encourage you to correspond with us through BetweenTheLines.tv and allow us to entertain your questions and try to give you some insight on how we can take this country in a more positive direction, one other than the one it's going to in, in right now. Patricia, and by the way, I do want to thank you for your email. Thank you, guys, and we'll be right back. If you're a podcaster, I can't say enough good things about Buzzsprout. That is how we distribute our show, and to learn more about them, go to our betweenthelines.tv. I do want to explain one thing about Buzzsprout. Very user-friendly, and as you know, we incorporated ourselves. So if you're inclined to create your own uh, podcast and you want some real good support mechanism, we would tell you entertain Buzzsprout. They're very, very good, and as I said, we use them. Instacart. Another interesting concept, you can go to your favorite grocery stores, sign on to their application without leaving your home, the comfort of your home, just pick out the items you'd like, they'll assign a personal shopper for you and deliver them to the point that you would like them delivered to. Another great concept, very user-friendly, and I'll be honest, we use it also, it's very effective, and they're very, very good, they're very uh, on point. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, and I am in possession of an email from John, who is currently in Michigan. John says, Lou, you are constantly talking about this country's immigration problem. Well, Biden administration just unveiled an outline of its full strategy on immigration. The 21-point plan released by the White House comes at administration is taking flack from the left and the right. So I can just stop and explain to you a little bit what's going on with that before I continue with your email question. People on the left are starting to realize that this immigration issue is a hotbed and they're worried about losing their jobs, so they're putting pressure on the White House. Um, the left is calling for swift deportation and from the Republicans over the increase in migrants at the southern border. What's your opinion on this plan and will it help or hurt the borders in the long run? Um, the borders are in such disarray right now, I'm, I'm not quite sure we can do any more harm to them than we already have. This is a little bit of window dressing, in my opinion. As we've come to learn from the vice president's illustrious journey, I believe it was to Guatemala and Honduras, their elected officials have come out and said, the problem is in the Biden administration. I do not mean to say that to be political or critical of the president. I'm just repeating what was said by the elected officials, the heads of these two countries, that Many of the migrants in these, in these countries realize it's an easy walk into the United States. Not to mention, we immediately put you on some type of program. Um, as you are aware, when you enter the country, especially children where I have a very soft spot, we need to clothe you, feed, feed you, medicate you, and house you to start with. Not to mention, probably provide you counseling. The big question is, who's paying for that? That's one question that the, the American public is concerned about. And again, as far as our children go, it's not even a discussion. That's why we should be paying taxes. The problem with this is we're having a hard, taking care, hard time taking care of our own children here, no less children migrating from other countries. So it's, it's not a, a black and white situation. There's a lot of middle ground here. It's a little bit of a slippery slope, to be candid with you. This country was built on immigration, and I don't ever want to believe that we would turn our back on a woman and two or three children in tow coming into this 
country to, to seek what we have that many of us, that far too many of us take for granted. As far as the 21-point plan, I think it's a noble gesture, but the first thing we need to do is get a handle on the border, which if you follow what Texas is doing, they're getting a handle on their border, even without the help of the federal government. They have individuals donating money and land where they can construct this border. They are deploying the National Guard to further help manage the border. Um, Texas is moving in the right direction. The border is something that needs to be intelligently and responsibly managed, contrary to the political agenda of our political parties. So in closing on this statement, um, I do think there should be some form of uh, punishment imposed. I think they should basically lose their jobs. And let that be a lesson to everyone else, regardless of your political affiliation, that when you are paid to do something, you need to show up. If you choose to walk off the job, we replace you, and we put someone in there that's willing to do the job. It's that simplistic. Simplistic. I want to thank our audience today, and I do want to thank the gentleman that called in and uh, to the two individuals that provided us the emails. All these were excellent questions. They seem to be nagging us every day without any form of resolution. I do want to have one closing comment, if I may, with the permission of the producers of this show. I just mentioned that uh, Texas has deployed the National Guard to its borders to help address this migration issue. I'm curious to know when our elected officials in each of these cities that are going to hell in a handbasket, as I'm sitting here speaking to you, are going to do the same. We deployed tens of thousands of National Guard's troops to Washington, D.C., following January 6th event at the Capitol. I guess it's okay to protect our elected officials in the cities in which they're currently residing. Why isn't this being done in Chicago? Why isn't this being done in L.A.? New York really doesn't need it because New York has so many police officers. It has more police officers than most countries have armies, uh, more numbers, I should say. Um, there are other cities that are having problems managing this. Minneapolis, Milwaukee, I mentioned Chicago, D.C. Identify those cities that need to be augmented with support from the National Guard and simply take these city blocks back one at a time. That's how you do it. Guys, this isn't rocket scientists, okay? I had one somebody on last week who was one, so trust me, that woman was brilliant. This is not about being a rocket scientist. It's common sense and logic and understanding tactics. Create a grid of these cities, identify the focal point of concentration, go in and take the cities back a block at a time. It can be done. The problem is we lack the political resolve. And I guess the elected officials are concerned about policing the people they pander to to get elected. It's really interesting what's going on in the major cities. And by the way, they are without boundary and without consequence. That is resonating across the country. We're going to lose every one of our major cities, ladies and gentlemen, if we don't address this at some point in time. I do know if you listen to the tone of the last email that I spoke to, the Democrats are concerned about the deportation issue because many of them are going to lose their seats. 2022 in the midterms, this is going to be the litmus test for this country as to what direction it goes in the future. Guys, thank you so much for listening today. And I do want to remind you to go to betweenthelines.tv to listen and to participate. If you're inclined, please pose a question, email format, or you may even call in. And again, I'm going to just say it's betweenthelines.tv. Also, you can find us... Uh, prominently displayed on Apple and Spotify, and you can view on YouTube or our site. 
plenty of choices to watch us and listen to. Thank you. I'm Lou Palumbo, and this has been Between the Lines. Thank you.